Do you remember a time when horses were fascinating, magical creatures who filled your heart with dreams of freedom and adventure? A time before curiosity and exploration were replaced with opinions and methods, leaving you longing for something more? Welcome to the Free Spirit Horses podcast. I'm your host, Sandy Huckle, physician-turned-sanctuary-director, photographer, and lifelong apprentice of the horse. Your horse is inviting you to reclaim your sense of wonder and venture into the fascinating world of Equus with an open heart and mind. If you're ready to transform your relationship by letting go of expectations and old ideas so you can discover who your horse truly is and give them the best life possible, Let's get started. (laughs) Welcome to Episode 1 of the Free Spirit Horses Podcast. As I held onto her long, flowing black mane, she took me to magical places. We moved as one as she galloped across the land toward gorgeous vistas, where we could take in the view of the countryside with not a human in sight, It was true freedom, and she was my best friend. We went everywhere together. We understood each other without words. We kept each other safe, and life was wonderful. To this day, I can still feel the butterflies in my stomach, dreaming of her coming into my life. As a sensitive little kid, I often felt closer to animals than to other children, often feeling like the outsider at school. My little mare would understand me like no one else did. She would take me away to places where nothing else mattered but her and me. My dreams did not include riding lessons in boarding barns, training and competitions, but rather just pure, deep friendship where I was loved and accepted for who I was. And she was treated with nothing but compassion and love and given the freedom to be a horse. Then the day came that my dreams were finally going to come true. My uncle was going to the horse auction, and he was bringing home a horse for us. I could hardly contain my excitement. We entered the dark, dank space of the stalls attached to the old hip-roof barn, shovels in hand, ready to clean out years and years of old manure to prepare a space for our horse who was coming later that evening. I could hardly contain my excitement and woke up multiple times through the night wondering, is she there? Is she in the stall waiting for me? When I woke up in the morning, I popped out of bed and ran to the barn as fast as my little legs could carry me, opened the creaky wooden door to the stalls, and nothing. There was no horse. My heart was shattered. I was never to have my mare as a child. We lived in the city in a single-parent family, so a horse just wasn't in my cards. And I let go of the dream for many years as I went through school, university, and finally medical school and residency. It wasn't until I was 39 years old with an active practice in women's mental health and having recently gone through a divorce that the dream resurfaced in my life. It was finally time to get my very own horse. I loved him from the moment I laid eyes on him. 
Even though he was a chronic head tosser, which made it challenging for me as a novice rider, there was just something about him that drew me in. Stryker was a three-eighths thoroughbred quarter horse. In the sun, his coat glistened like a brand new copper penny. Little did I know that I was starting on a lifelong journey that would challenge me to walk my own path, to go deep inside and reconnect with who I truly am and what matters most to me. A journey that would have me step into my power and find my voice for the sake of my horse. I needed to let go of the belief that because I hadn't been riding since I was a fetus, I needed to defer to so-called horse experts. In a way, I was fortunate to have not been exposed to the horse world throughout my life, having been indoctrinated into the dogma of the way it is with horses. I came into it with a fresh mind and was able to tap into my inner sense of what felt right and what didn't. I enthusiastically tried a number of methods that promised partnership with my horse, only to find it was just another form of power over, wrapped in pretty packaging with a bow. I now understand better why I was so drawn to Stryker. We are both highly sensitive members of our respective species. This has been a blessing because trying to do anything that didn't honor his sensitive nature just simply wasn't an option. In the Chinese five element system, Stryker is a water horse. If I'm not attuned to his inner state, he can appear to go from a calm, relaxed state to intense fear that escalates very quickly. In my experience, horses like Stryker are often completely misunderstood, especially by those who are more focused on achieving certain results rather than attuning with the horse and creating a more optimal experience for them. The degree to which horses can be misunderstood became painfully apparent to me when a woman at one of the first barns I was at recommended that I take Stryker to a trainer at another barn. I decided to give it a try and went down to meet this trainer. Right off the bat, I got red flags when he showed up three quarters of an hour late and most certainly had a air of arrogance about him. But I thought, well, let's just see what happens. Give him a chance. So I trailered Stryker down and we had our first lesson um, shortly after that. Things started out okay with him doing a few basic natural horsemanship things as he explained to me what he was doing and his interpretation of Stryker's response to it. I started to notice that Stryker was getting a higher head and his whites of his eyes were starting to show a bit that he was getting anxious. Things started to escalate on the part of the trainer. He was saying how Stryker was not listening to him, and he his energy started to get more intense. I could see Stryker turn to the outside, and there was just a railing about two feet high that went around this, this outdoor enclosure. And I could see that Stryker was thinking of trying to jump the little railing, and then... 
out of nowhere, I was just completely shocked. He belly kicked Stryker. To this day, it still upsets me that I even let Stryker be in that position. I completely was in shock. My throat just choked up. I had sunglasses on, and I was just fighting back tears, and I literally couldn't speak. My my throat was so tight, and he obviously saw that I was upset, and we wrapped the session up. I just sobbed when he laughed and apologized to Stryker and, and just felt terrible about it. I um, didn't even talk to him after that. Stryker was in a, an area that had a, a big field to the back, and there was a lane that approaches the gate. And I showed up first thing the next morning with a trailer to take him away, and he was away from the herd waiting at the gate for me, like he knew I was coming. To my shock, when I got him back to the original barn, the woman who had recommended this trainer asked me what I was doing back so soon. I think I was supposed to be there for four weeks or six weeks or something. And I told her what happened and how upset I was about it. And she, her response was basically, how do you know that 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 what he did was wrong. Maybe it was necessary. And I, my jaw just dropped. I, I couldn't believe it. That's when I realized deep down inside how much pathology there is in the horse world and how much power over dominant submission is playing out and how much people who don't even know themselves are misinterpreting, misunderstanding horses and taking their issues out on horses, and that it was going to be essential for me to listen to my gut and find my voice for Stryker. Like many of us, I grew up in an era where children were to be seen more than heard, and were praised for being good kids, obedient kids, and not raising a fuss, or, um, and making an effort toward keeping the peace. And of course, our educational system promotes the same, quiet, obedient children. So you learn to put up with things rather than speak up. And this all culminated in um, going to medical school and residency. I went to McGill in the early 90s. At that time, it was quite traditional, and there was a very apparent hierarchy. And hardship was viewed as uh, being an essential part of, of grooming a resilient physician. There was really no oversight on the behavior of attending physicians and senior residents, so some of the behavior was quite abusive, and we had nowhere to go when someone treated us inappropriately. At one point, when I was a third-year medical student, I was working in the CVT, the cardiovascular thoracic surgery ward, and I was just barely getting my bearings and had not ordered a chest x-ray on a on a patient. And the senior resident just flipped out on me, yelling at me in front of everybody, all my peers, patients, nurses, 
everybody on the ward about, do you want to kill this patient? Blah, 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 going on and on. And same thing, I my throat choked up and I couldn't say a word. It's maddening because I think it's conditioned into us as as women, that we are encouraged not to speak up, not to stand up for ourselves or to get angry. So instead, it defaults into tears and a response that's disempowering. So the same thing happened then. I stood there frozen, including my throat just choked up, unable to speak, unable to move, unable to do anything with just fighting back tears. And the thing was, if you wanted to get through medical school and become a doctor, you had to put up with it. It took someone belly kicking my horse for me to finally say enough is enough and find my voice under under these kind of circumstances, rather than to go into a state of tonic immobility, which is a, a trauma response to a threat that overwhelms your ability to fight or flee, which, as I said, I think is partially conditioned into women in our society. To this day, I still feel bad about what happened to Stryker, but I've had to work on forgiving myself for that and realizing that it was part of a journey that the two of us have traveled together that required me to have that experience so that I could reclaim my power. Since that time, I've also gained deeper and deeper awareness of the dynamics playing out in the horse world, and particularly the prevalence of dominant submission and trauma reenactment by those who have experienced developmental trauma during their childhood or other incidents of trauma through their lifetimes. It can be overt, as in the case with Stryker and the trainer who kicked him. More often these days, it's more covert. It's underlies the very way that we see horses and interact with them. So it's become harder to actually identify uh, because it's so ingrained in the way that we see and relate to horses. It also becomes hard for us to identify or have an awareness of these dynamics because we're living them ourselves in our own society, where we're encouraged to maintain the status quo, to be compliant, to strive for success in a capitalist system that uh, thrives on patriarchy, imbalance of power and resources, and exploitation and disempowerment of women and other marginalized populations, as well as animals and the natural world. We're filled from a young age from our families with expectations that can go back generations as to who we are and, and who we should become. The school system does the same thing, and we end up following a path that isn't ours. I can speak to that with my my journey through medical school as a smart kid who really liked uh, biology, physiology, 
anything related to that. I did my undergrad degree in in physiology and really enjoyed it, the understanding of it and putting everything together. So the obvious thing was I should go to medical school. I didn't really, I I don't even think I was connected enough with myself to know whether that was a choice that aligned with who I truly am. Everything for me at that time was about proving my worth, that if I got the highest marks and got into the best medical school and then got into a really competitive uh, residency program, then I was worthwhile. So when you're in that kind of a disconnected state with yourself, it's hard to be aware of what your values are, who you are, what you stand for, what matters most to you. So, of course, you take this and you add a horse and a bunch of experts and everybody's experienced some degree of trauma at some point in their life and things become a real mess. So one of the most important things that we can do for our horses is to become more self-aware, to do the healing work that we need to do and to commit to the path of discovering who we truly are, listening to our intuition, and making decisions that align with our deepest values and what matters most to us. As we heal from our trauma and become more self-aware and aligned with who we truly are, we're more able to see the horse for who they are rather than projecting our unmet wants and needs and unresolved trauma onto our horses. And as we give our horses more freedom to be horses and who they are as individuals, we find more freedom to be ourselves. There's a roomy quote that says, we're just walking each other home. That's what this podcast is about. It's about connecting deeply with our horses and embarking on a shared journey to freedom for both of us. It's not about training methods or dogma. I am not coming on this podcast as an expert on horses or how we should interact with horses, but rather it's about letting go. Letting go of any expectations or agenda we may have with our horse, as well as everything that we've been told or that we believe about horses, and entering the world of the horse with curiosity, gratitude, and humility. It's about honoring the horse as the only true expert on horses, and opening our heart, mind, and senses to try and understand their perspective and their way of seeing and being in the world, rather than having them always accommodating to a human world and a human agenda. It's about acknowledging that our horses are in captivity and that There is no option to free them, so we have an obligation to give them the best life possible with the most freedom possible. This includes the freedom of exploration, expression, and engagement. Our goal is to create a safe haven for them, both in their physical surroundings and in their relationship with us, so that they feel free 
and able to explore their environment with curiosity, to play, to express how they feel about something, to say no, and to choose whether they would like to engage with us. It comes from the perspective that all horses are valuable, regardless of their utility to humans, that their lives matter, and that they do not owe us anything for being in our care. As the quote from the Little Prince says, you become responsible forever for what you have tamed. By keeping horses in captivity, we have an obligation to provide for their basic needs of food, water, shelter, companionship, and a stimulating environment that allows for adequate movement and exercise. Horses owe us nothing for having these basic needs met. Another basic premise that I'm working from is that horses do not need to be ridden and they do not require having a job as defined by humans. I personally quit riding over 10 years ago because it simply wasn't the relationship that I wanted to have with the horses here at Free Spirit Sanctuary. I wanted them to have the freedom to be who they are, and that's how I wanted to know them. I'm passionate about discovering who they are when they are free to be horses and to relate to them in a way that is about true friendship and a shared journey rather than having them be of service or or perform for me. This podcast isn't against writing. It's just simply not about writing. It's about the potential of the horse-human bond when we let go of all the expectations and enter relationship with curiosity and wonder and humility. We'll explore how to create safe haven for our horses, how to best meet their needs so they can live as naturally as possible, how we can develop the mindfulness and observation skills to enter their world and discover who they truly are. We'll also look at the effect of trauma on both ourselves and our horses and how we can go about healing it so that we can be fully present with and attuned to our horse while being able to tap into our inner knowledge and intuition, align with our deepest values, and nurture an enriching and reciprocal relationship that is empowering for both our horses and ourselves. The horses of Free Spirit Sanctuary and I invite you to reclaim your childhood wonder and fascination with horses and embark on a journey of discovery, growth, and empowerment with your horse. You can follow us on Facebook at Free Spirit Horses. Our website is freespiritsanctuary.ca. Until next week, all of us at FSS wish you and your horses a wonderful week.